0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: Welcome to Enemy of My Enemy. I'm Hody Johns.
1: And I'm Brian Waldemann.
0: And we're going to have some folks on probably later. We like to give you the show from the left, right, and center libertarian perspectives, as is our goal all of the time. Uh, But uh, Lou's dog, we're going to go ahead and put Lou's dog on blast to start the show. Absolutely shredded her house, and uh, I I, I hear did even some damage to the refrigerator. So... uh, you know, they say there's no bad dogs, there's just uh, poorly trained people, but uh, Lou, Lou's dog is putting a, a challenge to, to that <laughs> particular statement today. And anyway, we are going to be talking about Cuba today, um, which is even worse than Lou's dog. I apologize for that. But <laughs> I'm going to give you a little brief uh, introduction here. Obviously, there has been some unrest in Cuba, to say the least, over this past uh, few weeks here. Um I was actually thinking, because we 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 went on the wall vacation, which was fantastic. We had all our wallers together. Brian, Lewin, and I got, we got one, it was my favorite photo of the entire thing, where they got all three of us, and I forget the joke, but we were just all cracking up laughing, the three of us, during our official photo shoot, and that's my favorite, that was my favorite photo of the whole thing, like the standstill and take a picture it's all nice, but yeah, like the, the having fun was great. Anyway, we had a great time with that. And I was like, oh, I hope Cuba is still a hot topic in the time when I get back. Well, the number of journalists has gone from like 120 missing journalists to 500 missing journalists today. So you better believe this is still a hot, hot topic. So we are going to be talking about that today. Um, for a lot of people, this all started 62 years ago, especially when we're talking about uh, the economics in Cuba. And there is a lot of unrest. I would like to say that, for in my opinion, I, I feel that a lot of the economic issues was kind of the gunpowder. And this uh, cracking down on free speech lately was kind of the the spark that set off all that gunpowder. So we are talking about a lot of different issues. It's hard to boil down... Cuba to any one single issue. I'm going to go down a lot that I have here, but I'm sure that there's something I'm going to be missing. So, uh, but this is just what I could tell. Now, a little bit of history here. Cuba was actually uh, had their economy what people thought based on sugar. And most people actually recognized until 1991 uh, Cuba as a way of doing communism correctly uh, because their economy was so robust. People were being fed and cared for and they said this is the way communism is supposed to work um and so it, it looked like hey castro's it, it, it we, they call it a banana republic but castro's reliance on sugar and only sugar is an export turned out to be like a winning strategy well it turns out that wasn't exactly in the case the case uh the cuban government was well not just government the cuban country was being entirely bankrolled by the USSR. And when I say entirely, I'm talking upwards of like 70% of their income was subsidies from the USSR. Those subsidies expired in 1991. And that's when people realized, oh, they were being funded to make communism look like it could be successful when in reality... And I I have nothing against my ANCOM allies. Look, I I don't want to just, I want to, if you hear me say communism, assume that I'm saying authoritarian communism, this involuntary communism that was going on in Cuba that required a lot of force. Communism, I am a capitalist personally, so it's not my particular economy of choice. However, if a bunch of my friends want to form a voluntary commune, I say have at, it sounds like fun. Um, for, for, for you. It sounds like fun for you, and we'll write if my letters are allowed to reach you. Anyway, uh, this is, so this is opened up, so we say, what are the two, what was actually going on here, if Sugar wasn't doing it at all? And today, uh, according to some sources that I found, the two biggest money makers for Cuba are the money that they take from those who live outside of the country that mail b- back money to their friends and family, and tourism. Uh, so basically, outside money. <laughs> now, obviously, outside money is sure—that's a legitimate way to make money. But these are not nor these are not things to build an economy on. They have no staple export, um, and this is this is a serious problem. COVID obviously didn't make this any better. When you're looking at people that were having tough economic times it can no longer send that money back. So the government isn't able to take that money that was being mailed to their friends and family. And especially in tourism, you're not allowed to visit a country anymore because of all these restrictions. So therefore Cuba, their own, their two biggest sources of income, which were not very big already got taken away from them and were reduced even further. So this essentially reduced them to almost nothing. Now, what made this, so obviously economy's bad, people are suffering. What made this explode recently? It's really started with jailing some journalists, and it started as a few, they actually just made them disappear uh, for a second. And it started off with about 120, it climbed to 150. I look today and right now there's 500 journalists that are unaccounted for Now the Cuban government says that Many of them, they don't know why they're missing. They don't know where they've got off to. A lot of the times missing still means they just don't know what prison that they're located in because Cuba isn't forthcoming about where they've sent their prisoners. So we're not sure exactly how many are dead or how many have escaped or whatever it may be, but we are looking at about 500 journalists that are completely unaccounted for. There has been a new wave of censorship. So the journalists aren't the only people they're cracking down on and the conscientious objectives. You've got a wave of censorship that really hit hard on social media. A lot of restrictions on Facebook, Instagram. Um, the internet is a monopoly in Cuba. It is one single entity. You get it from this single entity. And so therefore, it's just a quick change for them to say, hey, we don't want anybody visiting these sites. And sure enough, you can't visit those sites. Only twenty Now, even before this, only 25% of the country is even allowed to have access to the internet. So you actually much like a gun permit in Chicago, you got to apply and there's a good chance that you're going to get turned down for internet. So there's a lot of ways, of course, that people were getting internet before this, even though only 25% were allowed to have it, people were sharing and finding out things. And um, unfortunately, even that has been cut down on. And they said, like, okay, well, even this 25% of the people that we're allowing to view the internet, we don't like the way that you've used your internet responsibilities. We're just going to take these away. So that number has decreased. And then, of course, this is all compounded with immense amounts of food and suffering. The hour to wait, the hours to wait in line for food, for uh, bread and chicken, are predominantly the the food that you get at, at the end of your wait line, has risen all the way to about two hours now on average. Um, food and medicine has essentially run out. They have no infrastructure. Uh, there is a widespread distaste for communism now. Um, and, uh, th- when you go there, um, and there's a lot of people that just don't believe it works. The government did pay, uh, and to uh, several protesters and organize several pro government protests, but it's actually very hilariously like, you'll see like five of them out there and they just, you can tell they're government paid protesters. They're like, we love the go- government and communists and just overwhelmingly surrounded by people that, that have a distaste for uh, this authoritarian communism. How has America responded? The Biden administration has responded by placing new sanctions and embargoes against Cuba and Cubans. Uh, the director of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, Uh, Has is announced that he will turn away any and all Cuban immigrants that are fleeing the country to escape to America. So that's a lot of background. Now let's actually discuss our thoughts on it. Brian, go ahead. What do you feel is going on in Cuba?
1: It's basically Tuesday. Um, (laughs) The same same shit since 1957. Hasn't changed much. They've wrapped it a little bit better. Um, but unfortunately, the people that were backing Cuba uh, first was the Soviets. Then it went to other countries, and then it jumped to Venezuela, and then Venezuela went through its little hyperinflation spiral. And so far, it's uh, nobody now. Uh, they did open the the economy a little bit to tourists um, with the Obama administration. Um, frankly, I think Obama probably committed one of the worst. Um, I won't call it a crime, but I will call it one of the worst uh, penalties for people trying to escape from a totalitarian dictatorship. And that's what most communists are. Sorry, ANCAPS, if you want to have your little thing, that's fine. We'll be able to send you some food later. Um, But then to go ahead and say that Cubans don't have special rights coming here, escaping from that country, which they've had for years, did that mid-flight. And canceled that immediately to in order to be able to open up flights for Southwest and other country, uh, other airlines to fly in to bring in American dollars. Cause honestly, they were at the brink like the Soviet Union was. We, they, they couldn't spend anymore. They were going to be bankrupt. Our our dollars coming in has given them a little bit of a lifeline, but at the same time, it also fermented a little bit of rebellion, which is great. And that's what we want to see happen in the Soviet or in Cuba, not the Soviet Union. <clears throat> but looking at it, um, It's all being taken by by the Castro regime and not just the Castro's, but everybody at the top of Cuba, which is what Cuba has been for the past 57 years. We traded Batista, who was a terrible dictator for Castro, who's a terrible dictator. People compute Cuba deserve better and they've wanted it for decades. And we've just basically sat on our hands. Yeah,
0: there's. There's a lot of ideas that, uh, even from the New York Times, Washington Post, that says, hey, you might like this leftist idea, but Fidel Castro was much worse than Batista. Like, what yeah. he ended up doing was, I mean, first things first, you know, obviously rounding up and executing homosexuals is not a good way to start off your regime.
1: Uh, homosexuals, yeah. anyone who is connected to it. Yeah, oh, wait, let's put him on a T, let's put that guy Shea on a T-shirt and sell millions of them, make millions of dollars off that.
0: That's uh good capitalism in action, right? Yes, it is. Anyway, so one of the problems that I have with this is especially the idea of communism. So communism is not just all socialism. It's a very specific kind of, of socialism. And it's important to be clear about that because Marx actually during his time was not he did not get along with other socialists. Him and Proudhon, butted horns. Uh, and, and that is. Uh, there are reasons for this, right? So it's not like all social, I mean, heck, even all capitalists aren't the same, right? no
1: libertarians. are the same, we can't get them all in the same room unless there's a pool party involved. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, special. What up to Chris, Chris Galt. How you doing, buddy? Thanks for watching the show. I appreciate that. If anybody wants to participate in the show, feel free to make comments, questions. I will show them on the screen and read them aloud for those who have the audio, audio only, uh, podcasters. um, so uh, the thing about communism is that every commune is supposed to be self-sufficient, and that's the idea behind it. So they kind of all, uh, a banana republic is something that really should not happen with communism because it's something that you say like, well, if everything else falls apart, our individual commune will be okay because we have we are able to make our own shelter, metals, and everything like that. In fact, one of the biggest uh, issues that early communist philosophies had with capitalism was that they would have like, oh, well this whole city is dedicated to coal mining and they export nothing but coal. If everything else gets shut down around them, they'll have a bunch of coal, but they're not gonna have houses and such. And it was the capitalists who were like, yeah, but like we trade it around. We, we have this integrated economy where we send out the coal and we receive all that stuff that you're talking about. And that works for us. And the communists rejected that. They wanted these each commune to be self-sufficient. That is why it is called communism. And so the fact that there was a banana republic kind of th- at the beginning, really already made it kind of sketchy as far as being actual, living up to those perfect communist ideals, but that's what they wanted it to look like, I guess. Yeah. So for me, it's a it's a real slap in the face that we embargo them and say, oh, you can't trade with them. Because I think for me, if you really want to defeat the idea of communism, trade with them. As soon as they have to trade for stuff, you can say, hey, look, their communism didn't work. That's, they're not supposed to have to do that. They're supposed to be self-sufficient. They weren't self-sufficient from day one. They were getting completely bankrolled from by the USSR. They were a poor economy beforehand and they're a poor economy now. They haven't learned to adjust. And uh, when you subsidize something, I mean, we've learned this in America. If you subsidize something for long enough, people don't always adjust right away. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just it's just something that I think it, it's yes, this is economics kind of 101. And I did want to branch beyond economics with this, because I think there's so much more going on with Cupid than just the economics. Obviously, the the social unrest has a big issue. But all this, the the economics is so important because that's the background to which this play unfolds, right? All the actors are, are acting out this communism and what happened. And and so that's why I feel that it is important to talk about. I am not trying to bash. I really do have a lot of great ANCOM friends that I don't want to bash. Look, authoritarian capitalism sucks too, right? I mean, we're dropping bombs and blowing people up with authoritarian capitalism, okay? I, uh, I get it the state mixed with any economy is not going to live up to the ideals of that economy right but authoritarian communism in this in this example this is one of the problems you think everything's going right and then venezuela's out on you and then it cuba's out on you and they hold it up high and they say look at this this is the greatest uh, th- this is this is how communism's supposed to be done and then they're like oh i don't know if that was real communism well it was real communism when things looked good and when we were propping it up and then an authoritarian takes over and as a libertarian for me this is this is why i'm a libertarian because somebody can be running the show really well and then as soon as somebody runs it poorly it just takes one person with all these lives in their hands to really muck them up and i mean cuba's no stranger to living well beyond well below the poverty line, no matter how they lie about what their education rates and and how well fed yeah. they are and everything. Right. We all know that we're, that's we're
1: shipping. True. We're so awesome in healthcare. We're shipping doctors elsewhere. Right. <laughs> I, I do want to bring up an interesting point about this and what hey kind of started this whole protest. And obviously the lack of freedoms, getting kind of tired of this crap, waiting in line for food, being told for generations, not just a couple of years, generations. This is the best country in the world, and everyone else outside is crap. Uh, Americans are starving. You, you, you don't know how. And then all of a sudden, the Cubans start seeing these fat Americans coming off the plane going, wait a minute, Why, I thought they were all starving and dying. Why are these fat people coming down here with boatloads of cash giving it to us and you know, talking about how awesome and how they can say anything they want? So there's that one level. But the second level gets back to what you were talking about, Hody, which was the self determination, self, you know, kind of self support that we have in Cuba, that Cuba has. And communism country, communist countries like to see themselves as communes, as self supporting. There's a small problem with that, and that is you cannot specialize. If you are more worried about basic food, shelter, and all the other little things in the world, you're not going to have time to go out there and invent semiconductors or vaccines or anything else. Mm-hmm. You may have be able to get some people out there. They're probably going to get foreign training, but if you look at the most successful economies in the world, you look at the ones that are growing. You look at the ones that can withstand large problems. It's the net importers, the ones that have big, uh, big deficit trade deficits. Like the U.S., like Japan, things like that, because they have the wealth they can push out the door. Cuba can't. Cuba doesn't have that wealth, so they have to develop it inside because there's no money to be, you know, if you've got countries developing it. But getting back to my point here, um, the one thing that Cuba decided to do in-house, their own COVID-19 vaccine, they just released it about a week ago. Saw this, yeah. Yeah, just released it. So I want you to think about this. Cuba's been getting ravaged by covid uh, it's actually one of the worst countries in, in the Western Hemisphere when it comes to COVID. And they played with their people's lives when there's been a vaccine in development that, by the way, everybody was willing to give doses to the to the Cuban government to be able to take care of this to get these people vaccinated. And the Cuban government turned it down because it said, we're going to do our own. So now they've gone ahead and allowed all these people to die and oh by the way, I guess who's the only trading partner that wants the Cuban vaccine? The Iranians. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're you've got two countries who are just absolutely annihilating their people. I, I think that we'll look at at the end of COVID in some of these countries and probably look at and say, like, yeah, they just basically went through a civil war um, of all the people that suffered and died from this. So um good job, Cuba killing your own people. Once again, this time, I mean, you, 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 you know, when they do the whole, you know, those are rookie numbers thing. Yeah. They, they blew past rookie numbers now.
0: Yeah. And last year, 2020, they were actually considered one of the best countries at dealing with this their COVID uh, deaths because, you know, shutting down all the ports and doing all the authoritarian things. And there were a lot of, Pro state folks who said, hey, this is why you need government. This is why you need a state. They shut everything down. Only 146 people died. Well, what happened now? They've got 2,400 plus and growing, you know, <laughs> as far as people dying from COVID. And that's, of course, what they report.
1: That's what they report, just kind of like China. China says they haven't had any other, uh, any other, uh, you know, major breakouts of COVID or anything else. Yet when you look at the Sinovax, which is what the Chinese are passing around saying is the vaccine they're doing it it's maybe 50% effective and maybe even less than that when it's been applied globally. So we've got another country that's communist, which really, let's be honest, it's a communist government, but it's like an uber anarchist capitalist, um, uh, crony capitalist country uh, on the inside to a point. Uh, If you've got the money, you can get whatever you want. Um, But this is kind of where they've, gone to and this is what the cuban government has done and it's what it, what happens in every communist country it happens with every crony capitalist country whoever's got the money and the power gets what they want and kind of screws everybody else
0: yeah cuba's kind of an example of there being sometimes they say you know in, in the case of venezuela you could say oh well, remember the good times like and we just couldn't survive the bad <laughs> times which is still a good point like countries have to be yeah. able to survive the bad times and the good times in order to function mm-hmm. right and you can't just say oh we were we're really great when everything is going well. And yeah. then we do bad whenever. Well, that's just that's that's life. <laughs> Everybody does well when things are going well and poorly when things are going poorly. Uh, Cuba is an example of when things were going well, they were still doing poorly. We just didn't know we couldn't see it. It was being glossed mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it it's really sad because I think a lot of these, you know, e- even um Caribbean countries were able to at least get some kind of factory work going some kind of hey we can produce something we have to produce something and right. so they would produce something whereas Cuba got in the in the habit of producing essentially nothing I mean they produced the sugar which was actually very low quality nobody wants it oh no they invented a sugar alternative and now <clears throat> we're we're hosed you know these,
1: <laughs> these single banana republics just don't work out well right and um Tody totally, the funny thing is this Cuba's net exports in 2019. Oh, I'm curious. Net exports. Get ready for this number. All right. right. 1.2 billion dollars. Okay. Okay. That, I think uh, there's probably a city in, in the state of Indiana that probably had more exports than that.
0: And that's the unfortunate thing is you're when you're looking at that and you say, well, Indiana, a small city in Indi- Indiana is doing that. And this is a country that holds more people than that. But oh, yeah. You, you get an idea of how the people are suffering. And there are we can I, I don't want to just dunk on communism because unfortunately these are human lives we're talking about here. This is what collapse looks like. So when there is a I'm not big on the collapsitarian thing, and this is kind of why. Because this is kind of what collapse looks like. There's a lot of suffering. I hope oh, yeah. that I hope that they'll get better. Of course they seem to be saying some more things. I don't think every single one of them is a capitalist just yet. I mean, that's going to happen when you've been indoctrinated against capitalism for literally your entire life. You know, you're not just going to say like, I love capitalism now. It doesn't happen overnight, but they do need to be able to grow and grow from this and learn what a free market does because they just don't understand what free markets are because they've been lied to and they just think it can't be provided otherwise. And look, I'm not going to, hate on anybody. There's a lot of folks finding it's like, well, look, most of these protesters are okay with universal care or UBI or something like that. Obviously. I, I, I'm not saying every, every protester in Cuba is like this capitalist poster boy, you know, the new Hayek is coming from Cuba. It very well might, a couple of them, but Certainly, by and large, I mean, they're, they're not perfect, but they recognize that they're saying this isn't working anymore and it needs to change. And I'm glad. I hope they experiment with as many of these changes as they possibly can. Um, to move on to some of the, the censorship issues with this, i it's troubling. And america i i remember we we like jailed like one journalist during the obama administration it was a big freaking deal right like it was like oh my gosh this is terrible but we kind of knew what happened it was like there oh at least there was an excuse made for it for it these Still are just it was excuses. a
1: terrible excuse
0: terrible excuse <laughs> awful excuse failing <laughs> journalists that don't like you always bad 100 percent of the time uh, <laughs> i think i think brian and i are of the same mind on that one yeah. um but it is another thing entirely when you take 500 people and now we don't know where they are anymore because you just say, yeah. And and of course the Cuban government saying, well, we didn't execute them. They're just arrested someplace. Probably. I don't know. I just, they they, they decided to go on a scuba diving expedition
1: about 50 miles off the coast. (laughs) And, And
0: that's, I mean, that's, the worry right is that they're actually killing these people we we have to hope that they are not we have found some journalists that were in a prison that we didn't know like people are trying to keep tabs there was actually a uh, a report submitted to the UN it's an ongoing report cuz last week it was submitted with like 182 180 plus names on it that says, Hey, we need to know where these are. And then uh, the UN was like, all right, we'll get, look into those. They found a few of those, but that list keeps growing and growing and growing. And they keep saying like, Hey, Cuba's Cuba's acting squirrely here. Now the UN is worthless (laughs) this just in and so of course they're not doing anything about it but that's a great way at least for us to keep track right (laughs) at least it provides me a paper where i can be like oh okay here's Uh, what's missing
1: yeah that the un is great for putting together an excel spreadsheet spending 10 billion dollars putting together that excel spreadsheet which is numbers they pulled out their ass the week before so your your tax dollars hard at work
0: It's weak. If it was Donald Trump, it would have been a 20 billion Excel (laughs) spreadsheet. No, I mean, at least we have this. And I think censorship is awful. I, I really there's a moment in 1984, which ends horrifically sad, but there's a hopeful moment in the middle of 1984 where they keep chopping down these trees and they keep coming back. And Orwell's assertion is that you can't really kill the idea of liberty in anybody. Because because even if they've grown up with slavery, they're going to have that feeling that something is wrong. Now Orwell's ending assertion is that they can keep this dance up forever <laughs> and saying like, yeah, you're gonna keep wanting liberty and I'm gonna keep squashing it right out of you. But mm-hmm. there is this desire. You're never going to just indoctrinate people that liberty doesn't exist and have them all be like, okay. People get a feeling inside when things aren't okay. Yep. and And censorship is just one of those examples People were taking starvation. They were taking two-hour food lines. They've been dealing with this for 62 years. And, and what is it that's kind of pushing them over the edge right now? It's the censorship because they said, at least I was able to vocalize. At least I was able to see the light. You try to take that away, and of course that's going to freak people out. You know, it's like when you're at least allowed to glimpse at a better world, and then you're taking away even the glimpse of the better world. It, it's a horrifying thing um, there's several people that are trying to kind of get radio towers secretly there and, and, uh, find a way to, in fact, there's a lot of video gamers that have found a way to kind of upload maps (laughs) that take these banned and censored works and put them available somewhere in the video game, you know, and say like, okay, well, even when you're playing offline, you'll have access to a lot of these censored documents. And, you know, that's fatal to something like Cuba, because it, it truly is a, a, a Diaz canal. He is the president of Cuba right now. And even he is going, he's saying he's giving all your typical propaganda BS that mm-hmm. all these, all these protesters, all of them have been paid by like the US government, that they are indoctrinated by the US that we've somehow mm-hmm. planted them there, you know, that we're making it all look like it's all us. And it's funny, because it's in the middle of when, when, you know we're we're actually having a, a strict embargo against them, and yeah. you know we're, yeah. we're stopping people from
1: going over there. So cool.
0: we've actually had less contact with them.
1: Oh, would if we're paying these people, wouldn't they have money? And if they have money, wouldn't they spend it? Oh yeah. Like, is that waiting in line for food. Oh, by the way, that food line—you do have to pay for that food too. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, no, <laughs> forgot to mention. I heard I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout to Brian Nichols' podcast. He had a great mm-hmm. um uh, uh guest on who was talking about Cuba. And she brought up a great point about Cuba does not believe in giving anything to its people for free. They will charge you for the COVID vaccine. They will charge you for everything because that's what gets the Cuban government rich. So this whole idea of, hey, we're communists, we're here to help everyone. No, in the end, they're paying for medicine. They're paying for the vaccine. They're paying for everything else. And that's the really atrocious part of this. And it's one of those few places I, I am definitely against us intervention in the, in the government. Um, but boy, that's just one I would love to see fall in my lifetime because it is absolutely criminal what's going on.
0: Yeah. Uh, the guest was Martha Bueno. You can find her, at, uh, Martha Bueno 18 at Twitter. Uh, she's, uh, she's very interactive. Uh, so if you have questions about what's going on in Cuba, um, her, her father or her mother broke her father out of a Cuban prison yeah, there. Like, I mean, badass. yeah, <laughs> like, like she's, she's actually had multiple appearances on the Brian Nichols show, but she's a really cool person. If you have more questions about Cuba and you don't want to hear about it from two uh, American raised crackers. She is a great person to talk to uh, about all that. Now, the part that we can't control is out there in the Cuba. The part we can control and Brian, touched touched on in the end is our American response to this. Um, we've done the worst thing we can do, which is uh, who suffers when you create an embargo? Who suffers when you create a sanction? These dictators never suffer. We keep expecting like, oh, we'll sanction your country. And all of a sudden, Saddam Hussein's gonna melt down his gold toilet and give it to the people, right? That that never happens. It never, never. happens, never. right? Sometimes they get assassinated, right? Sometimes like we kill them, but like it it th- that's not, an embargo effect that's an assassin effect right this is something where it's just we keep telling ourselves mind-numbingly and it never works out this way that we're going to punish Kim Jong-un by cutting off our trade to him that we're going to punish uh, Saddam Hussein by cutting off our trade to him that we're going to punish Gaddafi by cutting off our trade to him and then once again we're going to punish Diaz-Canel by cutting off trade to him it doesn't work <laughs> it never works who as suffers as well. people suffer Right. And, and this is and so unfortunately, this response, it, it really is atrocious. Um, particularly, I am sickened by the response of Alejandro Mayarco. He's the secretary of Homeland Security now. Oh, my God. Now he is, I I believe you know where I'm going with this, Brian. Yeah. He is somebody who has this great story about how his family came over in the middle of a crisis and the U S welcomed him in open arms. And that's why he's glad to be here in Homeland security. And one year after he shares this story, he, he declares, Nope, we're not taking any immigrants. I'm going to send them right back. They can go to Cuba. They can go somewhere else, but they can't come here to the United States. Um, That is a betrayal of the principles that America was founded on. It's a betrayal of the promise that is made, inscribed on the Statue of Liberty, for goodness sake. Um, We want people that want out of their country. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) look, if you, here's the mind numbing thing about this. Let's say you just, I I don't want to get into an open borders conversation because I get it. I'm I'm like super wide open borders. I'm insane. I'm a lunatic. Okay. But even if you believe in legal immigration, This is the instance where it's time to believe in legal immigration, right? Like, this is the one, like, if you're going to be like, hey, I believe in pretty restricted immigration, okay, this guy, dictator, is crushing his people, and these people left that country and floated over here however they could on top of doors and empty two-gallon milk cartons and, you know, fill the hides of dead house pets literally to come here. Right to wash up on our shores and for us to be like. You go ahead and hop back on your family animal that you stuffed with air and go float right back to Cuba. It is, if you believe in legal immigration, this is the time to do it. Yeah, okay, process them, fine. Whatever you gotta do to the families. I'm making some compromises here, all right, on my open immigration thing. I'll make tons of compromises, but one way or another, these people need to end up not getting cast back out into the ocean. And that's what our administration has decided to do. This is absolutely despicable um this is this is among the worst Uh, now cuba of course they do the first evil but this our second evil is
1: so heartbreaking (laughs) it just is this gets back to obama's policy on cuba for for decades our policy was always to immediately give refuge to people leaving cuba and we did it to other countries as well and obama with no notice no nothing else Flip that switch off. And I honestly think it's one of the mo- one of the most terrible things he could have done as president to bring freedom to that country. Because he did in that moment was take people who are fleeing legitimate political, asking for political asylum and flip the switch off. But he'll go ahead and gladly take p- millions of others, which don't get me wrong, I have no problem with it. But take millions of others from other countries who have legitimate political asylum needs. We'll bring them in. So yeah, I, and then to have his, have this, ha, have him go out and uh, uh, Alejandro go out and say that uh, don't come here. I, I I'm sorry. I hope he never shows his face in cute Q- or in Miami ever again. Because honestly, it, it would be absolutely ridiculous for that guy to come, come in there and do that after he came over. It would be it's it's the height of hypocrisy
0: <laughs> i was looking at uh, some details and this is i made myself do this because for me i'm a human rights person i don't care if you are a contributing to this economy or not you know i i feel yeah. that you should be here if you want to be here however among immigrants that we have in the united states there is very few P- groups of people that are more prosperous and bring more to our economy than the Cubans. Yeah. I mean, we're talking uh, uh, Florida and Miami especially can tell you all about it. I actually talked oh. to a friend in Miami before this episode and just says our cute, Q- our Cuban immigrant population is just, is, is, building this economy they, they they are this this city uh you know uh-huh. and you think about the cuisine and the art that they brought here i mean heck you pretty much get your own super bowl halftime show we're talking music i mean it's it's really cool that like latin flair that we we've seen from the cubans and that's not i mean that's not even to discount i mean the people with athletic abilities that make it over here oh, yeah. um it, 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 the cuban people just statistically Bring a lot to the table, more so than uh, the average Cuban immigrant
1: brings more to the table than your average native white person. Well, it wasn't it it wasn't always that way. I mean, we had Castro uh, back in the 80s and 90s, the Mario boat lift and the other boat lifts that were allowed, that he allowed the dregs of Cuban society, quote unquote, to come over to the U.S. because he thought, hey, I'll get them out. And the U.S. can deal with the problem. Well, then you look just like you said at Miami and things like that. And the Cuban community is absolutely flourishing, and, and and getting funds to their families that are still stuck over there to be able to help support them. Which, of course, that gets out among the people of Cuba. So um, it's we we're at the point where the the Cuban community in Florida, the former you know the ones that grew up in Cuba or have family that live in Cuba want to do something and the U.S. government is actively getting in the way from preventing it, uh, from allowing it to happen, which is the really honestly the, the next piece of this I think that we need to probably talk about um, I don't know if you had it on there is that the ability to be able to go ahead and have these families be able to directly help Cuban people in Cuba. Um, I'm open to ideas on how that can happen. No, I don't want them going over there with F-15s um, although, you know, today, and so what Biden said we needed to be able to t- take over the government. So maybe if we can get a couple spare ones it might help. Um, but that being looked at here, um, there, there's absolutely no reason that an island that's 90 miles away, why we shouldn't allow if people want to take the risk to, you know, go help their families or get their families out of that hellhole, that we shouldn't allow them to take the risk.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember when we started letting people visit uh, Cuba again, but I had a group of friends who actually decided to go. Uh, I helped sponsor their trip because they wanted to kind of, they did a whole thing where they interviewed people and talked with them and and and, and helped out, of course, a little bit. And there are some really, uh, the most jarring thing about that was that there was kind of this idea that I'm suffering because I don't, because I believe I'm suffering is kind of the... It's something that a lot of these governments tend to perpetuate. That if you get the idea, um, this was actually what calls, caused Orwell to write 1984. Was he was fighting alongside of actually some of these socialists? Because Orwell himself was a socialist. Okay, we're talking about an authoritarian socialist, totally different animal. But he's fighting alongside of some of these authoritarian socialists, and they're like, oh look we're so lucky. We got a piece of chocolate in our box. And he's like, well, you actually had two pieces of chocolate in your box last week. And he's like, and they're all just like, no, that's just like what we thought. Like, but we were wrong. And it's like, well, but, but wait a minute. Like I saw that. Right. Like, yeah. and, and Orwell would go up and like show them a picture of like kind of the propaganda, like here's the picture. And then here's the person being erased from the picture. Yeah. And they kind of gave him this weird, like, Oh, that's just a matter of perspective. Like in our reality, this one is real. Maybe in your reality, that one is real, but, but we are living in this reality and we need to believe in this reality. So it was this whole, and it carries over to Cuba, where is this just kind of, there was this mindset and I'm glad to see that the fact that people are protesting at all is actually a big step forward to say that like, okay, it's not my lacking faith in this government that is causing me to to suffer it is this government that is causing me to suffer and and that is that is actually bigger than a lot of people realize because my friends found a lot of that and there were a couple people who kind of figured it out but i mean you'd see people digging through the trash looking for food and they of course uh swarmed the americans who Believe it or not, friends of mine, they ended up looking very American. They were able to speak, uh, (laughs) speak, speak the native language and uh, and all that. But they were they very much looked like Americans and would get swarmed and just begged for food and 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 right off the bat. And it was just it was very sad. But it was also very enlightening to kind of say, like, this is the this is the reason certain tactics don't work. It's not just a matter of throwing a book of Rothbard at them. There's a lot of unlearning that has to happen before they start relearning some things. And I feel like this is a big, huge step in the unlearning process. I don't want to put the burden of like you are now capitalist heroes upon the protesters right now. But it is a big step to be like, hey authoritarianism is not working for me and more faith in it is not helping me. There's a lot of Americans who need to learn this lesson.
1: And so it is good to see that this is, this is at least at the stage that they're at. Mm -hmm. And and it's going to be a, we've got history with this. This is Mm -hmm. not something that we're not familiar with. Um, We've seen a number of countries in my, at least in my lifetime. Um, I grew up in the seventies and eighties and I remember, you know, the, the evil iron iron, uh, evil empire, iron curtain coming across and there were a lot of communist countries and socialism looked like, you know, hey, this, we know it's terrible, but it's unfortunately growing in a lot of areas. And thankfully that's not the case anymore because uh, a lot of left, uh, left dic- uh, dictatorships, communist countries, and some obviously fascists uh, like Ch- uh, Pinochet and Chile and things like that, have all embraced some form of democracy, whether it's perfect or not, it's a entirely different story, um, but they are embracing freedom of choice. And seeing that happen in my lifetime uh, was something that, and I'll be honest with you, my, my mom and I have talked about this before, that she never thought she'd see that in her lifetime. She grew up with it her entire life, and it took 35, 40 years for that to finally fall. So now it's like, you know, it, it keeps trying to come back or it keeps trying to hang around, but it always ends up in the end being terrible and everyone's starting to learn that lesson that we cannot as a government, uh, as a people, dictate what people want to do. So um, the great thing is that um, freedom of information and freedom of goods Mm. uh, being transferred is fostering this. So do more of that, and you'll find out things that will will free up. But the one thing we do have experience is helping these countries after they fall, and looking at Eastern Europe and looking at a number of other countries. Venezuela eventually is going to go through it as well. Um, where capitalism comes in, uh, it isn't going to be the savior, but it's definitely going to at least give them opportunities for lives to be better. Yeah. Uh,
0: A lot of these African countries that ended up overthrowing their dictatorships, again, still not perfect. As you said, With no country on earth. Every country on earth has adopted Keynesians uh, uh, income identity equation. So so we're all, we're all in the ballpark, right? There's some that are more or less whatever, but literally every country on earth has adopted that, basis right for right. their economy so let's so let, it, it, we're not all that different but there are of, of course more and less authoritarian ways now the african countries that overthrew their dictatorships the beginning of it was growing their own crops was seeing how it's done to be like hey let me right. show you how to dig some irrigation dishes dishes and that was all it took to get the ball ro- rolling and for people to say oh well we can do this like that self-empowerment is is so big to people that say, because uh, c- a lot of times, and this happens in America too. Believe me, this happens with me. Ordering a TV feels like magic. I don't know the first thing about how I would make a TV, right? Like it, right. it's just but- chips and micro stuff. And like, it's just, there's an antenna. It's it's all magic. Right. But when you demystify it, when you say like, no, listen, here's how it works. Here's the basics. Here's food. Here's water it's unfortunate that they have to stop there because really as Americans take that for granted, I'm like, Oh yeah, food, water. Sure. Easy. Right. Mm-hmm. I drive by that. I drive by a million miles of that. Of course, when you're driving by sugar, you know, food seems like magic because you're like, obviously I'm not just eating sugar. <laughs> um, uh, they might wish, I guess we're Americans well, you know, most,
1: <laughs> most of it's raw sugar going out the door. So it's not yeah. really the greatest, but, but also the thing is this, is that imagine that you're you're starving and you're loading up all this sugar to go out the door or loading up all these uh, cigars to go out the door and you're not getting anything back from it. So, I mean, you, this is like the ultimate kind of like mm-hmm. I run the fat, I, I make the product and I'm getting nothing for it, period. Not just not share fair share profits or whatever, but nothing. So, right. I'm, I'm given this wage
0: on this crap currency that lets me wait for two hours in line to buy chicken mm-hmm. and bread. And man, uh, yeah. this is this is I know this is dumb, but every time I see what people in these impoverished countries are eating, I always just want to give them like a big Mac and I know there's yeah. like a million healthier things to give them, but like I just want to be oh. like maybe this taste of the gods would like
1: yeah. make you
0: a revolutionary because I gotta say if somebody took away like chick-fil-a sandwiches or like oh, big no. Macs or something I mean I know Chris would revolt and there Chris. there would be several others you know but right behind him yeah <laughs>
1: The, the best lunch I've ever had in my lifetime was on a picnic bench in Belize with a chicken and rice, and it was the best meal I've ever had. So, And if you've had Cuban cuisine, they can do magic, oh. magic, pure frigging magic. I hope that I get to go to Cuba. I, I'm not going to go down there to support the did visit with, with the communists in charge, but I hope that opens up because I want to go down there and experience Cuba for myself. And that may be something that will happen uh, hopefully, but.
0: And you know. it's, it gives you an idea of the flavor, uh, the passion that these people have and how that turns up in flavor. Cause if you say like, yeah. well, I've been waiting in line for chicken and bread and then, You know, a a mistaken – somebody who tries to generalize all immigrants is just like, oh, what? So chicken and bread, that's all they're going to offer? No, Cuban cuisine, like you said. I mean let's just talk about the the Cuban, right? Like just the the press sandwich. The thing is incredible, right? These are things that we want in our country. And, like, I don't want to boil them all down to just – I I think I regret kind of what I said or the way that I phrase it. I meant everything, the art, the cuisine, the culture, the, I mean, building up Miami, but I mean, there's very practical, uh, Uh, Not that food and art and stuff isn't practical, but I don't want to make it sound like they can't be rocket scientists or anything either. There's great scientists, mathematicians. They're very much contributing. They very much love the idea of education when they get here to the United States. The fact that the fact that you can connect to the Khan Academy here and go ahead and learn about advanced biology is not I mean, connecting the Internet right off the bat. 75% of them at least can't do that. That's that. That's before they started restricting the internet even more. Right. Right. And so something like educational, like the Khan Academy that nobody gets, you're just kind of like, Whoa, this is awesome. And I can do this. It teaches me how to do It's something that they're very passionate for. And so they tend to have a lot of these, uh, a a lot of, a lot of, uh, STEM jobs as well. Um, But yeah, like, like I I think the flavor of it is a good example to say how eager they are to say like, man, I can really cut loose when I'm on the grill. I don't have to sit here and wait for bread and chicken. I can actually make something awesome. It's something that people do tend to take for granted. Although after COVID, it looks like a lot more people are cooking at home, but, uh, but
1: yeah, Yeah. people, people do tend to take it for granted.
0: Um, Brian, any last words that you wanted to get in about Cuba?
1: Uh, yeah, I, my, my last piece and, um, The thing is this, the best thing to help Cuba is the Cuban people. Mm -hmm. Um, We have plenty of them here in the United States. They want to take the steps, take the risk themselves. I would honestly love to see a version of the Berlin Airlift to be able to deliver supplies, food, medicine, things like that to parts of Cuba and just be able to help the people. Um, That's something that a lot of these people want to do. Um, or be able to deliver on boat or whatever. And the U.S. government has taken the policy that not only if you do that, it's illegal, we will arrest you when you come back to the United States. That, to me, is atrocious, especially in a country like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of mostly open borders guy. Please sign in at the desk over there and, uh, you know, come back in a couple of weeks just to make sure everything's cool. Um, but I'm also thinking that we should be doing more for Cuba. Um, there's other things we can do. Um, but I'm not going to solve them today. And I don't think any of us are, but it's something that still needs to be front and center. Um, and, and frankly, what the Biden administration, what the Obama administration and the Trump administration have done has been absolutely the worst thing ever as usual, as you have pointed out Hody and the embargo, let's get money flowing into there and make sure it gets to the Cuban people.
0: Yeah, it, it's, Do, do you, what's the worry that their country is going to become too awesome, that they're going to surpass yeah. ours? I mean, and, and the way, look, <laughs> the zero-sum economy is, is dead in the water. And so, mm-hmm. as, as you mentioned, import countries tend to do pretty well, right, during, yeah. during times of severe problems. And that's not to say we should over-rely on imports, because that's got its own unique set of problems mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But... There is something to be said for like, hey, listen, it's okay to buy some things from them. It's not necessarily going to make us poorer. We tend to think of like, oh, the cigars come in, our money go out. That's <laughs> it's that's not exactly how it works, right? Money no. goes back and forth. And when money is moving, that's when you really get something going. It's healthy for us, even if you don't care two licks about the Cuban people, which if you don't, you're a bad person. But even if you don't. That still is helpful to us to keep that going, to have that that trade flow going. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like you said, and the embargoes, uh, my I I said everything that I think I've wanted to say on this. The Obama or I I guess currently the Biden administration is doing the worst thing it possibly can do by reinstating these embargoes and sanctions. This is at a time when the government is shutting off everything and what we're going to help them. Like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, let's open the door, right? Let's get them, let's get them in here. Let's, let's, um, let's show them what we're really all about. Let's, if we shut off our trade, we kind of give their government that is trying to propagandize and make it look like we have nothing to give. We're making it look like they're correct right? right. And, and we certainly don't want to do that. Um, these are people, I, I know I've gone a lot about how they benefit us, how it benefits us, because I feel I have to make that argument for some people. But look, from a libertarian perspective, from a human rights perspective, you can't be making people suffer like this. Uh, and I guess that's a message to both the, Obama, oh, the Biden administration and the diaz Canal administration. It's wrong. And uh, each of these people is a human life, they're a mother son daughter when you look at these pictures just remember that it's easy to look at a swath of people like the crowd at a sports a sporting event and you just say like oh they're all Rockies fans I guess Uh, uh, you can tell what kind of sporting events I go to (laughs) Rockies Rockies events not necessarily as well attended I probably should have chose the Yankees or something anyway Uh, They're they're fine they're fine but the The thing is, is they're, they are all individuals and we should treat them all as individuals and let them see what they can do. I can try to generalize and guess what they're going to bring in this economy, but nobody can do that. Ultimately, some of them are going to pursue a food truck and some of them are going to pursue biomolecular engineering. And some of them will pursue whatever it is they will, but ultimately that is their decision to make. And it's very important that they get the opportunity to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, guys, we are going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we're going to give you a piece of our mind. Mm -hmm. Welcome back, everybody. I really appreciate you hanging with us through the break. Piece of our mind time. I will start here. Uh, I need to talk about Activision Blizzard I write about video games. That is my main job. Believe it or not, my main job is not podcasting. I know that's hard to believe. Uh, Everybody who listens to the show knows I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. That's probably easier to believe. (laughs) Uh, After you've listened to a few episodes, I love writing. I love video games. It's so fantastic. I'm glad to be a part of it. The sexism in this industry is palpable and has been that way since I've been a part of it. It has been that way since I've been born. And it's not something that it just goes away in a flash. And the Activision Blizzard, what happened to Activision Blizzard, for those of you who aren't avid gamers, and you're like, what the heck is Hody talking about? There was a state investigation that kind of confirmed what people like me and others have been saying for a very long time. There is a lot of sexism going on. There's sexual, there's outright sexual assault First of all, there is uh, a ton of sexual uh, degeneracy remarks. Uh, I believe in the lawsuit, it actually called it a frat boy, like, quote unquote, frat boy atmosphere. Um, There is, and then just people that for the same jobs, literally doing the same jobs, you're looking at like a 20% pay discrepancy between women and men, women being on the lower end of this. Activision Blizzard is not alone. One need only look what happened to Ubisoft this last year. With you know, and and yes, we're moving in the right direction, which is why this is actually suddenly a problem instead of just people being quiet about it because it's just eh, that's the way it is. But that being said, these there's still an aggressive sexism cancer going on throughout the video game culture. And we need to nip it in the bud. Now, if all you do is play games, it's as simple as treating people with respect. And if you see sexism, speaking up about it when you see it. It's, it, it is that even that alone would do so much to fix the toxic culture of the gamers who are being catered to by the developers. And so when these developers see that their gaming community, their gaming base is toxic well, they serve their toxic people. So they're going to serve them toxic food, right? And this is their toxic product is some of these games and these gaming environments that haven't valued uh, women at all. Um, and, and it's Activision Blizzard, I think blew the lid off of it. The sad part is we had literally thousands of stories of this. I mean, this is women quitting, saying I was sexually assaulted. I was made feel terrible. I was paid, paid work. One of the big allegations in the, in the, uh, Well, it's not an allegation. One of the big results from the investigation is that women were of the same jobs. They were paid less, yes, but they were also said, hey, we're going to let this guy design this thing and we're going to let you get him coffee or we're going to let you fill in the blanks, but he gets to be the creator. You get to be the person who kind of fills in the blanks of his creation. And so what Blizzard has been doing is really letting males take the lead and the females with the exact same job description, they don't get to create, they get to kind of fill in the blanks sad part is Activision Blizzard outside of the sexism is actually the best gaming company to work for. Like it's, they have primo settings, computers. Uh, I read a book from a guy who worked at Ubisoft that he visited Activision Blizzard and was just blown away because it was the, 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 what they have there is very, it's unreal. Like anybody's been to like Google headquarters where you're like, dude, something different is going on here. That's kind of what's going on with the Blizzard headquarters out there in Irvine, California. It's very different. It's a cool place to be. It's it's the work environment that you would think at least structurally you'd want to be a part of. But the culture there is just absolute garbage. They've had several walkouts staged even before this has happened. So really this state investigation, did we need it to know there was a problem? I don't know. After about 7,000 of these like allegations, at what point do you say it's like Harvey Weinstein? Do you need him to be convicted to believe the 30 plus stories about what he did? No, at some points it becomes common sense. So when there's a, when you have thousands of ex-employees saying men and women, uh, men saying I saw it and women saying it happened to me, saying, "Hey, yeah, this is what's going on. You got to believe it." <clears throat> So the sad part is I still have to like convince people that this happens. Now, thankfully, with the state investigation, I can at least have some kind of evidence and say, hey, look, it happens. Now let's talk about the solution. Because before, people deny, deny, and deny. That includes... Blizzard leadership. In fact, even when the state investigation came around, their first response, which caught them in a ton of hot water, was denying it. They said, no, they're talking about a community that we did with, I don't know, maybe even a decade ago. Like, it's, we're not like that anymore. And then the investigators were like, we've only been investigating you for like two years. So it's not It's not past dead. And of course they've had to go and they've retracted their statement and they've said, Hey, sorry, we were tone deaf. I think is what they call themselves. Of course, no amount of apology is ever going to begin to cover what they have. They had a literal Bill Cosby room. I'm not even kidding. Like his picture up on the board and a bunch of frat boys holding it up being like, yeah, like a portrait of Bill Cosby being like, yeah, this guy's awesome. And it's like, dude, what are you thinking? These toxic cultures, You wouldn't get away with it anywhere else unless you had that insular, you know, and and non-disclosure agreements have a lot to do with this. People had people who spoke out had to had to either break their non-disclosure agreement or wait for it to expire. To say like, okay, now I'll talk about the things that happened to me at Activision Blizzard. And thankfully, people are learning that there's no way they can enforce a thousand different NDAs at once. And people don't want to because it looks incredibly unpopular when you sue an employee that you sexually assaulted for speaking out about their sexually, <laughs> sexual assault. Believe it or not, that doesn't make you look very good, even if you have a legal right to do it. Um it's bad, it's something that does need to be fixed. These are the death throes of something that has needed to die for a long time. It's carried on way too long. I'm aware that it is easier for me as a guy to be in this industry than it is for a woman in my same line of work. And that not there are extremely successful women, but I just think about the amount of tenacity they have to have and the passion that they have to have for making video games to be in this line of work when they know that everything is going to be reduced to their bodies or everything's gonna be reduced to, oh, dumb woman, stupid hoe and worse than that. I mean, it's it's rampant whether you're playing the games and it's just as rampant when you're in these studios and it's very unfortunate. And I'm hoping that a lot of these places turn around. Um, it, it happens both, unfortunately, I, I work, at, I write about video games, so I don't work for a developer, right? I don't write like the script of a video game. I write about somebody who wrote a video, the script of a video game, but these it, it's just as bad in the media as well. And you'll definitely see it. Look at any article when you s- notice like a female writer writing about her opinions on a video game. When people disagree, I've written so many contentious uh, articles, right? I hated the last of us too. wrote a ton about it. And yeah, I got a lot of views, but like nobody said anything. If a woman were to say exactly what I said, a uh, great example is Maddie Myers uh, had a great, she also disliked The Last of Us 2 as well, trashed it. And just look at the response that got just so overwhelmingly sexist and uh, angry and, and like, just it generates something different when like for and and people don't realize it a lot, but they they you need to catch yourself when you're like, why am I getting caught up in this? When I'm so angry when a woman says the exact same thing that a guy said, but I don't get angry at the guy and I get angry at the girl. Um, it, it, libertarianism is partly a culture. Brian and I talked earlier about the episode uh, about in the episode about how self empowerment for a lot of these Cubans is is how it gets oh, not just Cubans, Africans. Uh, Heck, Americans, self empowerment makes people say, hey, wait a minute, if I can do this, I don't think I need this anymore. I don't think I need to deal with these people. In fact, I think they might be a hindrance. And that self-empowerment means a lot and it creates more libertarians. So this culture of liberty is extremely important to me because it is something that when people feel self-assured and feel great about themselves, why in the world would you advocate for force against somebody else? Why would you advocate for violence against another person, an innocent person? You stop saying that that's a necessary evil because you look at your own empowerment and you say, that's not necessary at all. And so I think that this is... um this is a culture I, I'm super proud of my work. I'm, I, I love video games. I think it's a great medium. They're a bigger part of my life than I even care to let on. Um, it's, it's probably about equal with my libertarian activism is my video game activism, which I guess makes sense. I mean, if, 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 if it is my job after all, but they're a big part of my life, but it, it, I, I can't say enough that we can't just, we can't just defend our ID. Like, Gamers want to defend it, defend, 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 because they want to say like, well, the video games might go away. Now, video games aren't going anywhere, guys. The sexism is what needs to go. You're going to be able to keep your video games on the other side. Um, it, it might sound like common sense, I know, but it is something that if you're not aware of, it creeps up on you. It really does. There's a lot of people, uh, for those who have read The Lucifer Effect, I've, I've talked about that book on the show before. It talks about these cultures where it's like, Um, where you look at Gitmo or where they like break prisoners legs and laugh at them, or they had that one prisoner, what masturbate in front of the female prisoner, because it was against their God. Like a normal person would be shocked and repulsed by this, but this story went around and people, hundreds of people knew about it and the lid didn't blast off on it until way later until some, some other incident actually got leaked and then they explored these other incidences. And so it's like, well, So what happened to these hundreds of people? What happens when you get in this insular culture and you are unable to see outside, you're unable to understand anymore, this is not normal because everybody else around you makes it feel normal. If they have a Bill Cosby room and every male that you work with, all 750 of them seem to think it's okay or don't say anything, you're going to think you're the weirdo, right? You're going to think you're the weirdo, even though an, the whole nation would be like, oh, gross, a Bill Cosby room. The thing is, is you're surrounded by these 750 people that make it feel okay. And so you just say, I, I, guess, it's, I guess I'm guess i the crazy one. I guess I'm okay. I don't want to be the buzzkill. Nobody wants to do it, but it's something that we just have to do. You don't have to be like the leading feminist crusader of Ever. it's cool if you do like that's cool too but like all i'm asking is that you call it out when you see it that you stop it when you see it i think it was the row who said not everybody has to be a revolutionary but you do have to get off of the back of the giant that's carrying you the wrong way so if something is carrying you the wrong way get off leave it cut yourself off and say i i, I can't be a part of this i'm not going to be a part of this maybe i don't have the strength to fight back but i at the very least have the strength to leave if you can, call it out, hold your friends to the fire, whatever you got to do. Uh, we just need gaming to be better for everybody. The best video games, I'm telling you, you look at a disaster, a disastrous work conditions that were um, that happened with Naughty Dog in The Last of Us Part Two, absolutely contributed to that being a horrendous game. I mean, you got the sense when you're playing that game, you're like, boy, the people who made this game hate hate their lives like that this is miserable and angry and dark and not even dark for a good reason like it's just this is a, a bad game and then you look at something like ori in the blind forest and moon studios which has been working remote for a long time or super giant games Supergiant games made hades which people pretty much considered the game of the year last year it's like 19 people but they were so they were, so, they were so focused on family and saying, nope, you're not working these holidays. Nope, we're not working overtime. We're not doing these things. And they're doing it right. And they're making better games, just objectively. This sexism is a cancer to gaming that needs to go. Whether you say it's for the sake of human beings, for the sake of women, or for the sake of games, whatever it is, it just has to go. I'm glad it's getting called out. My heart breaks for some of these revelations. I'll admit there's some. I didn't even know were that bad. Um, but I'm glad at least the the lid is off of it now and we can talk about it. Brian, any thoughts on uh, sexism in video games?
1: Uh, sexism, bad. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I do have a question, though. Can Can you help me with my Sudoku? Because I've been having problems with it. <laughs> That's about as close as I get to video gaming, uh, unfortunately, because <laughs> I know I'd get my life sucked into it. Um, it it's video gaming, yeah, it's endemic. And I've known it's been a boys club for a long time. Um, there are uh, also just conservatively uh, girls clubs as well that I've run into in my career. Um, they're all just terrible. Uh, these little clicks and things like that. It gets back to high school BS. I will say that COVID has been the great, uh, I'll, uh, this is a terrible word to use, emancipator. Um, but it's a lot of people to see that, you know what, I get more done here. Uh Some people have to work in an office. Some people like the camaraderie. I've been working from home now for 20 years. And getting away from those those um, interferences in life and stuff like that really helped quite a bit to break that those type of little clicks and things like that that happen. It's nice to have everybody in the office, but I think that people will see that uh, with COVID, uh, a lot of these jobs can be done from home and should stay at home, just not only from a Expense standpoint, but probably from a liability standpoint as well.
0: Yeah, there's um, I'm glad you bring it up because it's not just this is not sexism is not only against women, just like racism is not only against uh, everybody who's not white, right? Yeah, like you've heard me call on the show the 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 coke issues, right? There, there are people who have said racist things against white people, I've gone to a rally before where the friend who was in black lives matter and like the speakers, would just constantly be like in these effing white people and like three people next to me would be like, Oh, but you're white. Oh. And they'd be like, but not you, not you. Like we're talking about like, yeah, you know, not, other not other you. white just, people. Just <laughs> everyone that looks like you. Right. Just the other people. Right. The other ones yeah. like, and I'm just like, dude, like you can't yeah. be, you can't be doing this. Like at <laughs> some point you have to be able to call out your own right now. I'm lucky because for me, the video game industry is my own. I am. I am in it. So I am able to say this is happening. This is bad. We need to do something about it with some amount of authority. It's too bad that we didn't listen to all the women. Hopefully they'll listen to some of the men that have recognized it like me. Yeah. Right. And But there there it could be a sexism against – I don't want this to be like – yeah. I'm not yeah. turning, it into, turning it into the SJW thing because I do think there is a, a, an idea that only one type of sexism racism is bad. Oh. You know it when you see it. If you're a part of it. I left the black lives matter rally that I went to as well. I generally tend to agree with black lives matter, but in that case that was gross, right? The speaker was gross. And so I left. And in this case, like this is something that's just, I happen to see, um, it's really gross. It's really toxic. And if you find it against men, women, minorities, oh. nationalities, religions, that happens a lot too. If you're in a place, I mean, heck, I've been in restaurants where it's like you walk in and it's like if you're not an atheist, like you're in a lot of trouble. Like, like, and it's like, dude, why? Like, th-
1: we serve food. What is the issue here? Like, wh- <laughs> why? You get, you want to feel really strange, Hody? Walk yeah. into a Target at 9:30 in the morning on a Tuesday. You want to see all the looks you'll get from from the women with children in there wondering no. what the heck you're doing in there. I <laughs> had to do that several times in my life. And the looks you get are like, what the heck's he doing here? So <laughs> I I, w- I was in, I was fortunate to work in an office where um, it was about 70 women. Uh, two guys and uh, the other guy was gay. So it was me. I was also younger. So I was, of course, every awful boyfriend, awful child they Mm -hmm. had and things like that. So can can sexism happen? Absolutely. Is it normally men against women? Definitely. Can it happen the other way? Yeah, I wasn't hit on, thankfully. Um, But uh, I definitely had things make my life miserable uh, on purpose. But Again, it was one of the things that I think that for me, I was lucky to be able to say, I don't want to be a part of this and went somewhere else. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. unfortunately in the gaming industry, that's not easy. These jobs right. are hotly contested. Like I said, like the Moon Studios and Supergiant Games, like they're notoriously great for people and then they're, they're notoriously like, you're not getting in there without like 20 years of paying your dues at a really crappy place first. Oh, like, it's lo-
1: lots of experience. You mean, you know, yeah. and, and maybe a good person to work with. Oh God, we don't want that here. Ugh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So sad. Uh, now in fairness to moon and Supergiant, a lot of those are actually interconnections, like a friend of a friend. So I don't want to put, I don't want to put the uh, burden of saying that they're keeping, that they require 20 years experience. Odds are, if you're good,
1: good at your job, they'll find you. But um, anyhow, Brian, piece of your mind. Hit us. Peace of my mind. Going back to COVID. Um, the Biden administration and a number of administrations around the world have this great opportunity to say, you know what, we've learned a lot of lessons and we're going to be more forthcoming with our data and we're going to allow people to make their own decisions. We strongly recommend X, but we understand your position of Y and Z and we'll be there to support in case you decide to come ours. Um, there's logic there, and of course, that's not being done. Um, th- even the press now is starting to ask questions about the new mask mandates. Things coming back when data doesn't match up or is missing completely. Uh, you know that there's a problem when the New York Times starts asking questions, going, well, they said we'd start using masks again, but just conveniently left out all the data points that prove that we need to use masks again. Right now, what the Biden administration is pointing to is one specific uh, cluster of cases, from apparently a Cape Cod beach outing, as the reason for the nation to go back to mask mandates. Um, the funny thing is that the numbers are are proving that COVID deaths are going down dramatically, uh, have been since the rollout of the vaccine. Uh, the people that are getting the vacc that are not getting the vaccine are most of the cases that are getting COVID now. They're getting the Delta variant. Just as uh, what happens, what happens with these diseases, they become more communicable and less deadly. Which is what we're seeing with Delta as well. So, but once again, all these governments are various state, local, federal governments around the world, even, are going back to the old playbook of 2020. And amazingly, we're starting to see protests, Um, not only in the US, because we're all idiots, according to the world press, but in enlightened places like France, Italy, Germany, you know, Sweden. Uh, Which really didn't do much, but Sweden had a little bit. Uh, The UK uh, and other countries. Australia is locking down again for another month. Mm. They're locking down Sydney. So, just imagine now you've been told that you're no longer you're not essential. You can't go to work, and somehow you're going to feed your family and stuff like that, and be locked up in the house yet again. Uh, These countries also been pretty terrible at vaccine rollouts, so. Don't know where that comes from, but anyhow. Um, but it's time that I think the world's starting to wake up to this and say, you know what? We're adults. We can make our own decisions. Yes, people should get vaccinated. I am I was vaccinated a long time ago. I think we may have had death come through this household. I've been fine. Doesn't mean everyone else would be fine. But it's time that I think we just have to open the doors. And once again, look, point out to the idiots in the Biden administration and also the Republicans and everyone else who's all on board with doing some sort of restrictions again. Personal accountability.
0: If, it's it's a heck of
1: a thing, isn't it? That yeah. you
0: be able to say that this is my health is my responsibility, and not anybody mm-hmm. else is accountable for it. And that makes people more responsible the more they're used to that. Right? Right. right. We we talk about this all the time. How you you if you create a program that makes people reliant on it, then they're going to behave as they're reliant on it, not reliant on themselves. Um, The New York Times actually pointed this out with COVID recently. I was reading this article because, oh, gosh, it's just dripping with propaganda. But the title of it was very misleading because it's like thanks to the like it says like thanks to big government aid, poverty is lower than it has ever been before. Something like that. And I was just like, oh, that's a rather damning title for libertarians. So let's see what they're talking about. Yeah. Like halfway through the article, you can tell they'll be like, okay, so when we said that, what we mean is that the poor have more money than ever before. Yeah. What we don't mean is that they can actually afford as much stuff anymore. In fact, that's actually getting worse. That got worse a lot worse last year when we printed off a bunch of money and gave the poor some and gave the rich a lot. And now this is this has become a serious problem. But I was reading this because because they were talking about just this issue where they where it was like we even the New York Times said this because ordinarily this is kind of like a redneck talking point was you give them welfare and they learn to rely on the welfare and they stop relying on themselves well in this case even the new york times is like that's going to happen to some people that you've been giving these stimulus checks to they become reliant on those they design their life around those and then you take them away and then it's like okay well now what now you gotta you gotta get back into it how many people did we feel had to get back into the groove of working right everybody had some of that some people going to take longer than others. And then Brian, you also hit the nail on the head with this. One of the dangerous things, especially about this Delta variant, uh, a number of people, including myself, were forced out of their jobs last year. However, we were compensated. It took a while for the compensation to kick in after they took away my job. <clears throat> mm.
1: not, happy,
0: not really happy about that. Hey, you can go a few months without any cash influx, flux, right? Yeah. yeah. Everybody can do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> But now it's only pockets. And now here's the problem is that there are these cities and local municipalities that are going to shut everything off again. And unlike last time where it was a national crisis, there's not going to be checks coming in from the Fed anymore. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, now you're actually on your own. As uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, so prominently <laughs> said, maybe it's time to find a different line of work than uh, whatever we <laughs> were in that we shut down.
1: Uh, well, maybe it's time for him to get a different line of work after killing 10,000 seniors in the state of New York. Possibly, possibly. Well, <laughs> I would love that, but <laughs> they're probably going to reelect him and give him a pass. Oh, and he still made all that money from the book. And, and being gross with women, too. Let's not forget. Yeah, that well. no, so it's, no, 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 no. They, they, they're they all liars. He, he said they're all liars. That's all I have to say. Thank and, you. And the press went, cool. <laughs>
0: OK, all right, I get. Uh, that's all I needed to hear. Yeah. That's all. all these women are like, OK, great. Now, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Cuomo is an easy target to dunk on. He mismanaged yeah. it horribly. He got a whole bunch of people killed with his policies as a libertarian. Like it's such an easy go to it's not a wrong go to because it's oh. certainly the example of what poor dictator dic- uh, authoritarian leadership can do. During a crisis, right, and he did it. He did like something terrible that free markets would have been like. Wait a minute, that's going to kill people, and uh, he he didn't learn from that. Um, still worse. Yeah. I, I,
1: Go I'm ahead. Sorry, I'm just gonna say I still want to have a long discussion with the with the Pennsylvania Department of Health official who took her mom out of the nursing home the day before she announced the same policy in Pennsylvania that killed. Thousands of other seniors in Pennsylvania. So it's it,
0: it, this is really, and what's funny is we make fun of this, because I think in this case, the impact is immediate and obvious. We killed a lot of people like really quickly, right? And it was very obvious that it was doing. But how many times do we do this in Americans where we're like, okay, this country, this little city is going to try out this big government experiment. Okay, it really didn't work. Gentrified the thing and and messed up the economy. You know what? Let's have a different city do it and see what. It's like, wait a minute. Wasn't the point of the small experiment to learn from it and then either change it or not do it if it fails? And instead, we're just like,
1: no, we're going to keep doing this. It's two words: light rail. Light rail. Billions of dollars. These gonna put light rail in and people can sit there and wait for a train that may show up and probably has been pissed on all the time <laughs> Yay, light rail i mean <laughs> light light rails one of those, yeah everybody thinks it's
0: a great idea until they have one and then don't use it and then yeah. it's like it, like it can be useful but it's like am i getting you know x billion dollars of worth oh. out of this that i no absolutely not you know you, yeah. if you we can't even do that making our bridges not fall down. Could could we spend the money so that we don't kill people with overpasses that are dilapidated and these, these, these potholes in the road that are breaking everybody's tires. Like if if we
1: only had an app for our phones that we could sit there and say, I'd like to go from this place to this place for a small amount of money. Want to get away.
0: Yeah. get away app for government. Um, to go back to the medical part that you talked about, Brian, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this up. I, I have always felt a little out of my element. And it's funny because I actually used to, used to be in. I used to work at a hospital. I was a paramedic too. Um, I got by my IV EKG certification. I didn't do anything too exciting. It was mostly taking vitals and doing IVs, EKGs, and. Mm-hmm. And that was what I did. And I ended up working at a hospital. I worked on an ambulance for like six months and then switched over to a hospital for like a year and a half, but I'm by no means an expert. I just, I, I've, I've seen what the doctors see, I guess, but they obviously have to explain. I remember watching gout and they're like, it's a matter of amount, the amount of crystals in this fluid here. And I'm just like, dude, this is all way above my pay grade. So I don't want to make anybody think like, I hate it when the YouTubers come on and they're like, they, they think they've got the killing blow on COVID when you're just a YouTuber. Cause here's, here's the issue. I think COVID has turned into a lot like the global warming situation or vaccinations, I guess I'll say has turned into a lot of the global warming situation. You had some doctors that we that said global warming is real, but they overstated it. They yeah. said the world's going to end in this day that we're New York's going to be underwater. And this is directly from Inconvenient Truth. Yeah, right. That New York would be underwater by the time Inconvenient Truth t- two came out. I yeah. love their uh, trailer for it. That was like, oh look, here's a particularly raining day on Florida. We are in uh, New York. We got it right. Like I'm like, dude, shut. <laughs> Oh, you know what you meant when you said it was going to be underwater. Look,
1: it's so, flooded. Oh, yeah, it's in the middle of a hurricane when the storm surge came in. But see,
0: we got it right. Right. They made these promises. And and when I say promises, it, 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 this really hit me when I was watched the commercials, because this is what really got me, was if there is a drug on the market that has a side effect that occurs in 0.01% of people, they have to say it on that commercial. Everybody watches them where it's like you could – Hey, uh, side effects of this include diarrhea, vomiting, you know, like in some cases it's like half the commercial, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm watching that new birth control ad for, with Vanessa Hudgens. And I think it's like 15 seconds of Vanessa Hudgens and 45 seconds of side effects from this Mm -hmm. thing. Here's the thing. A lot of those are really rare. Yeah. Here's the problem. We gave an exception. In fact, I believe we legally have an exception for this vaccine and I'm. I'm again. I want to stress that I am not an anti-vaxxer. I also, that I also believe in global warming. This is exactly what proves my point. The problem is, is we overpromise. We said you don't have to say any of the side effects. I had a commercial appear that says it's 100% effective. You won't get it. Right. It it just says it's 100%. No, no asterisk. No guy afterwards shouting all the things that could happen. No, like, it's only affected a percent of the time. Sometimes, no, none of that. It's just a commercial for the COVID vaccine that says you can get it for free. There's absolutely no side effects coming. And I was like, well, even like the sore arm that people get is a side effect, right? Like, yeah, like, like, soreness at the injection site. That's the first thing they
1: say in every one of them. You (laughs) would make other
0: people say that, right? Like, if it was somebody else's allergy medication you would force them to say that during their commercial yeah. but we didn't force them to that the the vaccines to say these same things these potential right. side effects so what happens is we created this mysticism and i i gotta admit i bought into some of it because it was like hey you're not going to be able to get covid i mean some of these commercials you know vaccinated against covid immunity to uh, immunity to covid, right? We're told we're told immunity. So what does immunity mean? Immunity means immunity. Hey, get your two shots and you won't need a third one. Oh yeah. crap, maybe you're going to need a booster shot, right? Maybe you're going to need a third one. And here's the thing, I'm not against the concept of needing rounds of shots, right? This happens for diseases like meas- measles and polio and and mm-hmm. and other diseases like this. But when you've promised already, when you've already said the thing, this gives this gives your critics a very serious hole to exploit that you opened yourself. Just like in global warming, when you say the world will end by 2010, there will be no, I mean, there's always these ridiculous, like there's going to be no rhinoceros alive, thanks to global warming, by the, by the year 2005. And you just go through it and you're just like, these are ridiculous, but people don't call you out on it. And you published it in a peer-reviewed journal, which I'm supposed to trust. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem that results from this. I'm just some, I'm just some guy, right? Like I don't know enough. So I have to trust you. So if I know you've lied to me, what happens now? Well, of course, all of a sudden those YouTubers who are batches insane, I'm like, hey, maybe they got a point because I don't know enough to have proved or refute your point. All I know is you made a point. You said, I'm a scientist. I'm a doctor. I've got all this credibility. I've done all this work. I've done all this homework. And this is what I said. And then none of that's true. Then it's like, all of a sudden I'm looking at other examples and I'm saying, well, maybe this global warming thing isn't real. Maybe this vaccination thing is a bunch of crap, right? And I don't think the vaccination thing is a bunch of crap.
1: No, I don't
0: believe that global warming is a bunch of crap, but mm-hmm. the problem is the way that it was sold and the right. way that government and their crony allies have profited from it. Absolutely opens the door for people to say, I no longer trust you anymore. It's hard for me to argue that anymore because what I can no longer point to these scientists who promised immunity, who promised n- two shots and that's it, who promised that these mass men mandates would be gone for good, that we would never again, lock things down. All of a sudden, I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. You've, you've lost your credibility. I know I talked a lot there, but I was just, I was thinking about this today because I'm like, I don't know a lot. So how do I talk about this? And that's the problem that I'm having is I'm like, I have no scientists who I can point to and say, what about this guy? Because now there's a big hole there. You know what
1: I'm saying? Yeah. I know what you're saying, and it's it's hilarious that the ones that are the most fervent are really televangelists. Let's be honest. Al yes. Gore if Al mm-hmm. Gore had a cross behind him, he would be <laughs> he would be right up there. Yeah. Al Gore, right now, I just looked this up, is worth over $300 million. So, one Cuba. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a third of a Cuba. It's a, a third, third of it. a
0: Cuba. Okay. A third
1: of a Cuba exports.
0: I'll make that Three, trade in a day.
1: Anyhow, <laughs> continue. Yeah, he's worth $300 million. You look at these guys that are all out there. So, please, you know, oh, the end of the world's coming. You need to give me your money in order to be able to save you. Uh, I don't see these people going out and doing these incredible things with their money, like the Clinton Foundation and everything else, which we proved pretty much beyond a shadow of a doubt was just basically a tax scheme that would throw some stuff down into Haiti and say, look how good we are, and then have it all fall apart. This gets back to what you're saying, Hody, about all these other people, about the COVID and the distrust and things like that. This is a great time to be a libertarian. Um, We can all go back. Do the rewind, be able to show, look out, Gore, you're full of crap. Look here, Dr. Fauci on this. You're full of crap. The Freedom of Information Act is kind of a shitty thing for a government official, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. if you're writing emails that say, yeah, no, you don't need a mask. But I have to say that you need a mask, but really you don't need a mask, blah, 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 blah. The, the reality is it's all narrative. It's all controlling narrative. Narratives control funds that come in for either advertising, government dollars, things like that. So we just honestly need to start realizing that if it's just like that bad ex, if their mouth is moving, they're probably lying. Not lying awfully that everything they're saying is not the truth, but they're framing it in a way that makes you worried. For whatever reason, right, and and that's all they want. Um, it, there are plenty of doctors out there who have said, and actually, one of the first things I did with you, Hody, was talking about COVID nineteen treatments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still kind of stand behind uh, a lot of the things that were found back then. But guess what? We can't do any research on it right now because you can't do it. You know, you, a lot of states have banned uh, use of hydroxychloroquine for any sort of treatment of COVID. Um, but we're still going around and putting severe and other treatments, which are proven to be not that great, but really damn expensive, uh, in people's arms. So the the reality is people have a right to question authority. Absolutely. People naturally question authority. Look what's going on. We're going to circle back to Cuba. Look what's happening in Cuba when authorities tell them, oh, everything's great here. And, you know, don't worry about it. Sorry that your family's dying, but we got it under control. No, you don't. Same thing's happening here in the US. A lot of people are going, a lot of people are smart enough to go, Hey, you know what? It probably is a good idea to get the vaccine. I've already, or maybe if I've had COVID, I don't think I need the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't get the mentality and it's just more of us versus them. And this is what they want. So let's stop giving them that. Let's start giving them, you know, rational discourse. We're all adults here once again. Um, but that's not what people want. So
0: Spot on. Uh, it's a great time to be a libertarian. Like you said, I, th- I think the having all the information we should be enti- we should be feel entitled to that information, especially mm-hmm. for a product that we're going to ingest or put into our bodies or whatever oh. it may be, and and access to that data, and then access to say, I want to do this or not. Right? Like, mm-hmm. because like I think, like I said, I don't, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. And I think if we saw from the beginning that it's like, okay, Here's how it works. Here's what might happen. Hey, you could still be a carrier for COVID. Right. Hey, you could still get COVID. After. Okay. I bet most people would still have got, that got the cure or that. Oh, I don't want to call it the cure. No, <laughs> that, no, that, yeah. that. <laughs> Mistake I'll, there. Anybody who got the vaccine might have still have gotten that vaccine. I, I would even say probably would have. In right. fact, I'll even go so far as to say a lot of people that are anti-vax would have gotten the vaccine then. Because what what it is, is there's this demystification because you've taken all the power. There's no authority. Right. So -hmm. you've taken all the power away from somebody to say this is the way it is. Sorry, I lied about that. I just wanted these people to have PPEs, you know, (laughs) and you just say, oh, yeah, like uh, that's rough. Right. Like my as a scientist, I lied to to accomplish this particular thing, which may be a good thing, but. Man, it would have been really cool to
1: say like, "Hey, can we let the nurses have PPEs first we, yeah. before right before buying them out?" Like, go go make one of cloth. It may or may not help you. Please save the ones that we need for the for these people because they're on the front lines. Okay, right. I think I think eighty percent of America went. You know what? You're right. Yes, there's gonna be the twenty percent. that are gonna hoard the shit and be able to do you know the, the, those idiots that we saw at Costco. In uh, March of last year, hoarding toilet paper that we're trying to return it in June. Um, right. yep. <laughs> so, um, I, I just love that. But that, that that's that just gets back to what we're saying. And you're right about the the um, the little asterisks. Two things about the the vaccine: number one, coronavirus are notoriously finicky. They're all basically based off the common cold, mm-hmm. and we've never had treatment for the common cold because they're finicky. Um, number two, vaccines will never provide 100% tri- uh, resiliency because you don't know everybody's immune system. And B, if I inject you with a couple pounds of polio virus, you're going to get polio. <laughs> so, right. right. <laughs> I'm sorry. If I inject yeah. you a couple pounds of polio virus, you're going to have right. a real nice case of polio, no right. matter how many shots you've had.
0: Right. If they, And it really makes sense you know, when you break it down. If I inject you with a coronavirus... If I inject you with then you essentially will go through a stage of having a mild case of whatever the coronavirus was, right? right?
1: Mm-hmm. And and I'm
0: saying coronavirus and not COVID intentionally, because there are a series of coronaviruses, including Brian wisely mentioned, the common cold, right? Is is a rapidly mutating coronavirus. I mean mm-hmm. this is I mean, this is isn't our first case of SARS. This isn't our first case of of Corona. This is this
1: yeah. This this happens. These mutate, right? Uh, or or helped along with gain of function access. But you know, oh, gain of function, gain of function. Again, be honest, be forward. Just come out and right. say, you know what? We did finance gain of function. You know what? We did do these things. Watching Fauci and Rand Paul go at it, and Fauci call Rand an idiot and stuff like that is delicious because Rand Paul. Oh, he's just an eye doctor. God is here. He's still a doctor. He's still a medical doctor. right? So, well,
0: so and, it, it's and it, it's it, in it's a way that I can understand it too. you know, yeah. if the coronavirus is a virus, we have no cure for viruses because they mutate, right? Yeah. And so like yeah. it would it makes as much sense to vaccinate against the common cold as it would against this. Now, we are taught that this morphs less quickly than the common cold, which is right. why. But- you you actually can be immunized against a common cold. For one, or I guess I'll say vaccinated against a common cold, but that common cold by the
1: time it comes back around to you is going to be completely new. So there's no point in getting
0: vaccinated for it. Yeah, right.
1: Just something's going to come around. But the reality is that COVID is more deadly Mm -hmm. than the flu. Uh, COVID is more deadly than the common cold. And contagious. I mean, it's very contagious. It's more contagious than the flu. Um, But that's just reality. Um, where can we lay the blame on this? Honestly, it just comes back to government, whether it's gain-of-function research, whether it's leaked out of the Wuhan Institute because of a bad freezer seal, whatever the heck it is. Um, Yeah, we can just blame this all again once on government. Wuhan's
0: Um, another great example of exactly the point you're trying to make, because what happened? We Initially, we banned all all social media people who talked about the Wuhan lab. We even took down the accounts from doctors who worked there. Uh, China was making the people who worked at that lab disappear at an alarming rate, right? Like, (laughs) like killing them. Right. And when people were
1: he just uh, fell off a very tall building along with all his coworkers, right. right?
0: (laughs) And so when people question that and they ban them immediately, what happens? Well, now it looks like, and we, we will, I'm not going to even say probably, we'll never know. We will never know. We're not going to find a smoking gum for it. But it appears likely that it came from the Wuhan lab, right? Yeah. Uh, all things considered, people looking back on it. And Facebook and, and Twitter and some have since reversed their stance on, you know, these bans that are unbanning or at least no longer banning people who talk about that Wuhan, Wuhan lab leak. But the problem was, is you created the mysticism when you ban them. You said there's nobody allowed to question this. There's no uh, and if people were allowed to question from the beginning, we might just say, like, okay, well, I'm still gonna get a vaccine, right? Like, I'm still I'm still going to treat myself for this.
1: You you create a bioweapon. Yeah, I I think I kind of want to get the vaccine against the (laughs) bioweapon. Right. You you in China. Yeah. Can you imagine? Imagine if they came out and actually said, Look, this was actually a lab accident. We're very sorry. We're we're shutting shit down because of it, mm-hmm. but this is this is what we believe is the best thing. Now, I will be honest to you: everything that's going to come out of this RNA vaccine, uh, the delivery system, the next twenty years are going to be the golden age of individualized treatment. Mm-hmm. I, it's unfortunate that it happened at, at like this. But we really are going to enter the golden age of personalized medical treatment, a gene- genetic based uh, treatment that we're playing with right now. But we're really going to kill. Uh, we're going to do a great job with it in the next 20 years.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we weren't allowed to to do many of the experiments that were done. Right. Yeah. And so that that's part of this, that I guess, you can point to as being good with COVID because you just say, like, I don't want COVID. But at least our governments were like, OK, we have to do something about it. All right. Free market. I'm going to give you a, a square. It's not even a free market. I'm going to give you just, a, just I'm going to let a few labs that I've licensed do Which this thing that. that I haven't been allowing people to do. And it's like, like, yeah. I know you're big on saying like we're kind of, we are like the test group. And yeah, we're we like are stage four. three or four, right? Like four. we, this isn't a stage four. We're in, a, this is an mRNA. This is a first time ever thing. We're vaccinating against a virus. That's huge, right? That's a big thing. There could be some really cool things that follow up from this. It's just sad that we weren't allowed to even work on these things for so long.
1: We would have been further along. The The evidence is clear with testing, isolation, everything, every aspect of COVID treatment. If government just gets the friggin' heck out of the way, couldn't do lab. We couldn't import lab tests. Because Trump said, no, we're going to do an American test. My darn darn it. Cease and Um, desist orders, by the way, for people who tried to do their own tests. Yeah. yeah. Companies that were spinning up and sitting there saying, but then the government would go in and buy billions of gallons of hand sanitizer from all these places, force them to run it. We got enough hand sanitizer now to probably, you know, replace Lake Michigan at this point. (laughs) right so they can't even give it away it's like buy one at the at the store and you get the whole rack free um but this is the thing this is when government intervenes and the scary thing is this lots of people understand that and i'm not talking about libertarians i'm talking your normies your liberals your conservatives your hardcore communists things like that they all look at and go show me a country that's done a really good job with covid One, just just one country that got it right. And it's very hard to do because it is a a moving target. But it's 192 countries in this world. No one's got it right. Yeah. I mean,
0: individuals can get it right. It's governments aren't going to be perfect. No, this is a lot of what led to me being a libertarian in general was I was in speech and debate for so long. And I'd be given these, we'd have these examples, right? And they they would choose which side we're on. Abortion, good, bad, right? Or, Or capital punishment, good, bad. And we'd be, I'd have the bad side. and You'd be the good side or vice versa. And I just remember so often getting in these situations where I'm like, I have proof for both sides. So what does that mean? Like, does that mean that there's like no truth in the world? Well, no, it just means that every situation is different. Like yep. the more, the, I think the big thing about libertarianism is it's hard to pin down to a single, I don't even like pin Like I love capitalism, but the reason I'm a libertarian without saying that capitalism is everything is because I think even capitalism should have competition. And I think that even that I don't want even one particular brand of capitalism to eat up or delete every other brand of capitalism or, or libertarian socialism or whatever it may be, because I think what's right for me is not necessarily right for my neighbor. I truly think there are people who will be happier on a commune than in capitalism. And for those people, <laughs> I don't want to force capitalism on them, right? Like I'm I, 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 I I'm just saying, there's some wild people out there, yeah. right? There's a lot of different people. I, Do I I'm, think that I will win by a lot? As far as the popular vote? Yes, but I, I'm reading your facial expressions and trying to guess what you're saying here, but this, I, this, this is my thing. Yeah. Is that there's, I'll let you, I'll let you answer that in a sec. But my, my thing with being a libertarian is that it says, I don't, there's not one answer that's hundred percent right all the time. Abortion's a great example. I cannot make a blanket rule on that. There are so many different, everybody loves to add a cog into the equation. What if the kid's going to have this? What if it endangers this? What if it's the product of this? What if this is the situation? What if these, what ifs are all very valid Right. And in speech and debate, we just tend to, what we do is we generally tend to say, my what ifs are more important than your what ifs. Right. And so therefore, these what ifs that illegalize abortion are more important than these over here. Right. And the, the bottom line is the more I got into speech and debate and the more I excelled at speech and debate, the more deep down inside I just had the seed that was like, what does this mean if I, both sides can be right at the same time about? various issues in various situations. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I reject the concept of truth at all, but I just think that everybody has different walk of life and everybody has different things that they can handle and that we need to treat everybody as an individual and they need to be allowed to make their own decisions. With something like COVID, no country is going to get down to zero deaths. Even a country that completely seals it off and never gets COVID is going to have deaths because of closing off their country and doing what they had to do and being as authoritarian as they possibly could. I talk about it this way. I never want a mom to drown her baby in a bathtub. But if we made it impossible for a mom to drown her baby in a bathtub, imagine what we would have to do to get that number to zero. Just imagine illegalized bathtubs, illegalized moms being around their babies. (laughs) Ah, I mean, it's just a a, a surveillance Cody just
1: went on saying that we need to ban moms. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Ban moms. Like this is what we would have to do. And ultimately you just get to be saying like, okay, you know what? I need to wipe the slate here. People need to be allowed to make these decisions for themselves. There can be, a smarter answer and they can be empowered to choose the wrong or the right answer, but ultimately it's their choice to make and their ownership of their own lives that matter. Like a lot of these situations that we had, especially with COVID would have been so much easier to grasp if there wasn't this government mysticism hanging over the whole thing. And we had the choice from the very beginning to just say, this is what I want to do. I'm re- there were different stages of the trial when we manufactured COVID. Uh, we manufactured the vaccine like in a weekend, right? Yeah. And that vaccine ended up being the one that worked out. But like a lot of people wouldn't have wanted to take it. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, yeah. in fact, even those people who made it in the weekend still tested it themselves. Like they still weren't. They weren't like, hey, let's release it right now. They're like, okay, well, hang on here. We just want to yeah. be sure, right? So like people would be able to test for themselves, and we could be able to say. With a fully self-empowerment thing, I want this vaccine, I feel good about it, this is my decision. Or I don't want this vaccine, I don't feel good about it, this is my decision. And we accept the consequence of either choice, because both choices have consequences. And so as long as we feel empowered to accept those consequences, I think that's so core to liberty and why it's such a good time to be a libertarian. Which is why I think the COVID example is so good of this, because I think and Brian, you and I are doing a lot of agreeing on a show where we're supposed to disagree, but I just think it's one of those things that I think it requires a level head to come to this conclusion because there's so much, if you get a, what you believe in the jab and you're a, you're, You say you don't believe in you're an anarchist, but you got the vaccine. You can't be an anarchist or can't be a libertarian or government shill. And then on the other hand, of course, the if you don't do it, you're responsible for murdering all your neighbors because you didn't get the vaccine and all this other stuff. It's just like, man, there's a level headed individual accountability way to have handled the COVID crisis, even beyond the vaccine, but just the whole crisis in general. We needed more individual involvement and we just didn't get it and it's too bad. Like you said, no country really prioritized it. So no, no country really did a bang up job with it. Um, the countries that did better, I would say have more like definitely had people feel a little bit more in power of their own choices, Mm -hmm. but ultimately we all didn't, we all felt out of control. That's why we need Liberty. Agreed. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate y'all coming in today. Uh, this is a, this is a good combo with just Brian and me. Cause that's all you need. Uh, we rock. I, I really appreciate you listening Cuba man. Keep your thoughts and prayers out there for them. There are ways to donate to uh, Cubans kind of um, please keep an eye out for them. Um, I know I said her already just because Brian mentioned it, but uh, Martha Bueno 18 at, on Twitter, if there's going to be a way to help the Cuban people, you will find it through her channel. Yep. So, Please, uh, please follow her. I probably should give her some credit in like the show
1: notes or something. <laughs> I'll be sure I, to do that. I listened to, to Brian's latest podcast twice on that because it was just like, oh my, this is this is fantastic. So it's
0: good stuff, guys. It's a, and as Brian said, it's a great time to be a libertarian. Don't be shy about it.
1: Uh, all my listeners, thank you so much. We love you. We'll talk to you later.